We're back. 2024. First podcast of the new year. What do you want to talk about? What? On your podcast. What did you bring up? The discouraging outlook on personal lines insurance. Insurance Journal just wrote an article about it. Personal auto. Not just homeowners. Personal auto was included. Yeah, so if I talk to people, if you talk to people in Florida, all their personal auto rates are going up. We don't write personal auto. It's, you know, a huge market. We can. We can. We could. No, we don't write personal auto. That's admitted. So the insurance world, there's two markets. Admitted, that's personal lines. Admitted companies are like State Farm, Geico. CNA. But they all have excess and surplus lines companies like Lloyd's of London and us, Prime. So, you know, they it's two different markets. So everybody believes the admitted market is the preferred market. It's highly regulated. You don't need as much capital to start an admitted company. It takes less money to form an excess and surplus lines company. It's fifteen million or more to start a regular admitted company. You can do it for like six hundred, eight hundred thousand in most states. So, um, but it's you know it's freedom of rate and form. So, admitted companies, homeowners, doesn't cover flood, doesn't cover earthquake, doesn't cover terrorism, doesn't cover mudslide, doesn't cover sinkholes. So. To me, how's that an admitted product? It's not a better product. In Florida, I had you know a phone call with a large agent down there who had a renewal quote with Chubb in Florida, which is unusual. Most people can't get quotes in Florida and California. But Chubb quoted it, and she was excited, but they don't cover flood, and they don't cover wind. Well, she had flood with the government program, which, you know, it's a... Six million dollar house, flood insurance, maximum limits two hundred residential, two hundred thousand, and business is five hundred thousand. So, to me, that's not real insurance. That's like a sublimit on one peril that is confusing, and fuels litigation. So, again, our approach, an ENS approach, we offer everything all in one: flood, wind. That's better. That's a much better approach than more policies. As insurance has evolved over time, that's how underwriters, you know, react to a claim. You do hotels, bars, restaurants, um, you know, you covered liquor liability, assault and battery, firearms, or it didn't exclude it. Then as they have claims, they add an exclusion for those things because if they include those things, their premium was inadequate. So they actually add an exclusion to keep the program alive. That's not good for people in that business. That's not a partnership approach. That's kind of taking your money and leaving you with your real problems. You know, that to me is underwriting. You underwrite the risk. You understand the risk, just like this phone call this homeowners association, there's 60 members. They have a little sledding hill. And, you know, their agent told them it would be easy to get it covered. Now he can't get coverage. So the homeowners association sledding hills not covered. Well, is it a good 
association homeowners insurance program where they don't cover your own sledding hill? Then I ask them, well, does it cover the snowmobiles? Does it cover your snowmobile trails? I don't know. I don't know. I guarantee you there's a lot more exclusions in there than people think. So I would say that's the general theme of today. When you buy insurance, are you self-insured still? And I would say that you're more self-insured than you know or think. So in Florida, you buy policy. Utah, you buy a policy. Excludes earthquake and flood 100%. So if an earthquake or flood comes, you're 100% self-insured. You got nothing. Or a sinkhole. Yeah. Earth movement. You know, there's you have to read the policies to actually know. So again, I'm an insurance consumer. I don't feel good about not having earthquake, not having mudslide. So I have those things in our all-in-one policy. Yes, it costs me more money, but I have no deductible. And I share risk on a percentage basis. So if you have a half a million dollar home, and in Florida, they have a 10% name storm deductible. That's $50,000. So if you own a half a million dollar house, do you think you have $50,000 just sitting around? No. So, you know, you're self-insured now and you can't pay yourself insurance. So insurance needs to be customized to you so that, you know, if you can't afford a $50,000 deductible, why would you have a $50,000 deductible? That means you can't afford the house, really. Same with earthquake or mud hole or sinkhole. You know, if you have no coverage for that and you're 100% self-insured, you know, you're in trouble. So homeowners insurance, you know, personal lines has always kind of been the area that, you know, it's the biggest market. There's more buyers and the premium levels are big. So everybody's chasing it. But I would tell you it's never been highly profitable. AM Best's outlook on personal lines is not good because of all of the things you hear people talking about. You know, construction costs going up, litigation going up, you know, the, the lawyers getting involved in homeowners' claims. And again, if we do our job right, we won't need lawyers. I give you wind, I give you flood, I fix your house. You don't have to go get a lawyer to sue me. So, it's, it's a, I, I use the example of it's like hitting a dead-end road. If you and I enter into an insurance contract and we end up at a dead-end road where it's like, well, Parker, we didn't cover you for assault and battery and you beat that guy up. They alleged you beat him up, right? So we're defending you. If I don't cover you for that, that's a dead-end road because now you're covering yourself and you're all alone. Now you have to go hire your own lawyer and me leaving you or abandoning you to deal with a portion of the litigation or the claim, whether it's wind or flood or, you know, your deductible that you can't pay, we're at a dead end. You can't pay your deductible. So what do I do? Pay the claim less your deductible? That can't be. So in all of our policies, I'm adding a feature where if you don't have the money to pay your portion of the claim, your deductible, we loan you the money. That gets, now there's no dead end anymore. Now I can fix your house 
and I'm a mortgagee on your house, and you got to pay me because you didn't have your deductible. But, you know, again, we as buyers and sellers of insurance and insurance providers, insurance companies, need to actually move forward and do a mock claim. Say, okay, so you're going to have coverage with no flood or you're going to have coverage with no earthquake. What if that claim happens? How, how does it look? What, what does this claim look like? Can I make you happy? So, you know, and foundationally, I would say the biggest problem is construction costs per square foot. If your house is $2,000 a square foot and you only insured it for $1,000 a square foot, you're self-insured. So fundamentally, underwriting is the key. You have to underwrite each risk. You have to be able to customize it. You can't force them into a size that, you know, everyone fits the same size. That's not insurance, especially in the world today where, you know, when this insurance stuff started, we had a rocket ship that went to the moon with all kinds of computers. Now we have a phone in our hand that's more powerful than the rocket ship. And we're still doing insurance stuff like we're back in the Stone Ages. So this is all really simple stuff, right? You got to insure the value. You can't underinsure the square footage. And then when a claim happens, you have to look at all those areas where you're deductible or you're self-insured. And whether it's homeowners, personal lines, or business, most people are way more self-insured than they know. Dogs are excluded, animals are excluded, vehicles are excluded, boats are excluded, you know, off-premises activities are excluded. You really need to read the fine print and make sure that your, your coverage fits like a tailored suit, making sure you actually know what a claim looks like. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I'm never gonna have a claim, I don't wanna have a claim for three years. I don't want you to have a claim either. But if you're the best insured that's never had a claim, when you do have a claim, does that mean you're not good anymore? That's what it means to most insurance companies. They now look at you differently. Well, you know, as a consumer, what I want is I want an underwriter that gets me, gets my business, customizes it to me, we both know what a claim looks like, so we survive it happily. And after the claim, I continue to have my insurance. It doesn't go away, which is what kind of shows, if you look at the last 50 years, go every storm, Katrina, Sandy, you know, fires, whatever. After what can happen does happen, that everybody hopes doesn't happen, but it's going to happen to somebody, Everybody runs away. The insurance market leaves. It changes. It's like disrupting. And that's really what we should be prepared for. That's all insurance is supposed to do is help you through the tough times, stick with you through the tough times. And the real proof is how it performs when it does happen and do they keep insuring you. If they do, they know their job, right? I've been doing it for 40 years. I insure rafting companies that have deaths. Busing companies that have deaths, homeowners that have fires and storms, we fix it and we keep insuring them. That's why our model works and the rest of the world has a poor outlook. 
And, you know, now we have a track record and a history that kind of m- makes that nonsense, right? If you work together as a team, you can accomplish way more than if you're working against each other, you know, and canceling them. When you, when I took your money, did that include you ever having a claim? You know, is there another price that you'll give me that if I have a claim or two, you won't cancel me? I mean, those are the questions that come to my mind having been in the business for 40 years. And it's like, none of this works the way it should, right? But again, underwriting is an art that has to be combined with the partnership and execution on the claims. It all is, you can't break it down into separate silos or separate tasks and have people just do a portion of the task. It doesn't work. It's almost like you know, putting your name on a Mercedes car the way they do to try and make it. Somebody's responsible. Somebody's going to own that they built this car. You know, that's, that's how insurance could benefit from it is if you, know, you had a responsible person like an orchestra leader or the quarterback of the football team that makes sure everybody's working in unison. And I think that's what Prime does. That's what I do. That's what I've always done. Before I owned the company, I had to argue with underwriters to customize the coverage because I thought it was smarter to give more coverage, not take it away. And then on the claims, it's focusing on the facts, not the stories. And if you can combine all that together, you know, you can change the world. You can come out miles ahead of where everybody else goes and you know that's the opportunity that's the opportunity i saw 30 years ago now we've proven it we're executing the market insurance market is in turmoil it's always been in turmoil and it's getting worse and i believe our opportunity is getting better because of that yeah i mean year five years ago it was just commercial auto and was really when we started doing a bunch of business but now it's i mean we Definitely are seeing more homeowners, and I think we'll see a lot more in the next five, ten years. Well, it's everything now. It's recreation. You know, a lot of recreational policies exclude participants, whether it's motocross tracks, racetracks, the powerboat racing. You know, again, most people, um, they hate insurance, so they don't read it. They don't care. They're never going to need it. And then when you do need it, you know, and it's not what you thought, litigation has kicked in now, and the insurance industry are the targets of it. The agents and brokers get sued because they confused it. The insurance companies get sued because they confused it. And the lawyers are getting rich. And what's going on in Florida is going to go across the country. It's You know, it's not rocket science. This is just trending ways and... If you do certain things, action creates different reactions. And so Florida is kind of showing you where it's going. Insurance companies attempting to be half pregnant is why they get sued all the time. You can't be half pregnant. You know, when you take their money, it's like you're pregnant now and you have to do the whole job. You have to take care of the problem. So, you know, again, I think that... uh, the rest of the industry continues to 
retract, you know, instead of running into the burning building with proper solutions and a strategy that can work, they run out of the building. It's a hurt mentality. It's the same as banking. All the banks want to do the same stuff. They want to lay in the same people money. Insurance companies now, they all want to write the same personal auto and the same homeowners, but it isn't Florida, it isn't coastal, and it isn't California. So everywhere else is now becoming softer. So, you know, there are some areas right now where the market is getting softer. There's so, so many companies, so much capacity, and when they leave California and Florida, they go elsewhere to try and write more business. Because you've got to write business. That's what you're trying to do as an insurance company. So, you know, everybody wanting the same risk. Um, and, you know, again, this Snow Hill, you know, they, they're big association, you know, billionaire owners. And, you know, they're looking for coverage for just their snow tubing hill. You know, it's probably less than an acre in the middle of the wilderness. Nobody goes there, but they can't get it. You know, their insurance provider should easily be able to include that tubing hill, no problem. But they can't. They don't want to. It's, you know, not custom fit. You have to fit into their size shoe or their size suit, and if it doesn't fit, too bad. So we offer, you know, a different approach, customized approach, and one that survives the claim. When, when a claim happens, the goal is to make a happy customer and keep insuring them. Um, and that's what insurance is all about, spreading stuff over time, not trying to never have a claim. And, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to that say, I'm never going to have a claim. And I'm like, well, then I can't help you. You, you, know, you should just buy the cheapest, crappiest policy there is out there because you're never going to have a claim. Good. Good for you. I'm glad. But most people I know, you know, in America, whether it's property, you know, storms, events happen, they do have claims. Many cases they don't report them because they think they would get canceled, which again, if, you know, if you answer the question, well, why don't you report those claims? Like trucking companies, well, I'm trying to get a clean loss run so I can get a cheaper rate. So they know they're not doing what the policy requires. They're lying to try and get a cheaper rate. That kind of shows that the relationship is off on the wrong foot, right? You should always report every claim. That's what the policy requires. That's what the contract requires. And you should be happy to report them. You paid a premium. Why, why wouldn't you report that stuff? Because insurance companies punish you if you report it. So there's just common sense stuff like that that is a clue that, you know, you don't have what you should have. You know, you're going to get a blister from that shoe you bought. And you know it, you feel it coming on, but you keep wearing it. So, you know, better decisions. Insurance companies need to make better decisions. You know, underwrite and think about the claim, managing it, not avoiding it. Um, agents and brokers need to be more of a fiduciary and tell people, highlight what's not covered and what they're going to have to do in a claim if they buy crappy, cheap coverage. And then buyers, they need to be honest with themselves and say, what do I want? Right? Do I want quality? Do 
Do I want to buy good insurance where I can actually sleep at night and they won't cancel me if I have a claim? Or do I want to keep making the same you know, decisions I've been making, which feed the lawyers? So we're all at the zoo and we're all feeding the lawyers and they're enjoying their stay at the zoo. Yeah. So you have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah. Did you trim your beard up? Yeah, I got a trim. Yeah. Got a trimmer for Christmas. Good. My dad gave me one. So, who have you heard from? What interesting calls have you had from? Oh, athletic participant exclusion yesterday. No, I haven't heard from Cletus. He doesn't text me. Helicopter cover, none of those guys. They don't text me. They're your buddies, man. You're You're the heli pilot. Okay. Well, I can tell you. In the last 30 days and since the first of the year, I'm getting all kinds of more contacts and activity that show me the insurance world is, you know, a problem. It's it's in a crisis, there's no doubt. In 1985, there was an insurance crisis. If you go back and look at the headlines, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, insurance crisis, people can't get insurance. The world is has so much going on right now that you know don't it's not headlines but if you go to florida and you talk to people about their homeowners insurance or their car insurance or you go to new york or wherever they're all hating insurance more prices going up and they don't even know all the exclusions and limitations because that's kind of like in the fog and they don't want to know but i would encourage you know buyers to you know, actually think about when what can happen does happen. How does this work? If you have to come up with a deductible you can't afford, you know, if you if you you know don't have flood or you don't have earthquake when that happens, what's your plan? And you know, there's I get calls now from a lot of investment advisors. Right, they're telling people how to structure their family estate and all of this. And so I ask him, I'm like, so, you know, do you ever get involved in homeowners? You know, these families have a $10 million house in Key West or, you know, California, and it burns down and they don't have enough coverage. Do you you ever even look at that as part of your estate planning? Because that'll mess with your estate planning when stuff happens. And I know there's people in Florida that have been affected by it. They've moved down there, they've retired, they thought it was gonna be all, you know, beaches and sunshine, and then a storm ruined their life. And they have a house they can't get fixed, the insurance hasn't paid, then they wanna leave the state. They don't wanna be in Florida anymore. So, you know, whether it's buying a house there or buying insurance, you should think, what if a storm comes? Do I really wanna live here? Am I prepared to pay the deductible and the co-payments and everything I have to pay? Or is this going to be the worst decision of my life? So, you know, insurance, again, everybody hates it. It's a pain in the ass. We try and keep it real simple the way I like it as a consumer. You know, I'm happy to take risk because I'm a good risk. I do smart things. I don't increase the risk. Um... So, you know, risk sharing is kind of the feature that we're pushing. And again, I would tell every insurance company and everybody 
involved in this that as an industry we should stop using deductibles. They separate our interests from our insured's interests. Everybody that services the insurance business uses that to try and you know make it more confusing and it makes it much more expensive. You know the body shop is trying to give a bid and include some of the deductible. The roofers are doing the same thing. You know they're trying to act like they're helping the homeowner or the car owner by helping you pay your deductible. But those things that you know separate your interests can be eliminated by changing the contract to a risk share where if you take 1% of the risk, I pay 99% of the risk of the claim. You pay 1%. You know, if you if you have a thousand dollar deductible on your home, I think you can take more than that. Um, and so, you know, good risks I think are willing to take more risk, but deductibles um, need to be swapped out for the risk share. And then we need to do example claims like mock claims and say, okay, in this case, you know, a hundred thousand dollar claim, you would pay ten percent, not the whole hundred thousand like you are now if they have a $100,000 deductible. So in many cases, the risk share means the insured pays less, the insurance company pays more, but we're both agreeing to the best route to make the repairs, which is the problem now, right? The insurance company saying, oh, well, that's under your deductible. You got to pay the whole thing. And the other side of the table is trying to get it above the deductible to get some money out of the insurance company. So... Um, you know, I don't believe that other insurance companies are going to take my suggestion, but doesn't mean I shouldn't keep making the suggestion because I actually believe it's a better way of doing it. So, anyway, another year. Another year. Another uh, year of podcasting. Well, you need to do a lot better job of topics and writing them down when I tell you, and then, you know, Maybe, yeah. and then we could have some other people in here, you know. Yeah, if you want to come on, people, come on. Yeah, some of you critics out there, come on, and you can take us on. Yeah, you know, asking can, questions, put them on the, put them on the spot. Yeah, tell me where I'm full of crap. Yeah, I know a lot of you think I am, but I think I can probably debate any of the issues. With facts, we got a parasail guy that would come on. Uh-huh. Dave Vaught, he would come. Mm-hmm. We can we'll, get him on. We'll probably have to go to him. He would come here, I think. But we'll ask Dave if he'll come on. But we'll see you on the next podcast. If you have any questions or anything, you know where to reach us. And we'll see you on the next one. See you next time.